All right. Good morning, class. Welcome to uh, the Art Eater and Friends podcast. Uh, this is the 37th uh, podcast that we've done so far. All right. So, um, yeah, the Art Eater podcast is where we take uh, deep dives into the artistry and history befi- behind our favorite uh, video games, comics, animation, just all that amazing media out there. So uh, we have a very uh, special and a very personal uh, podcast today. So up until now, uh, we've basically only talked about video games, uh, which, you know, makes sense. We love games. We live and breathe them. Um, that's that's where a lot of our professional experience uh, individually lies, too. Uh, but today we're, we're finally going to talk about something that's not a video game, or, or rather um, it, it exists. Yeah, there are. It, it is a video game. It's several video games, but um, it all started with a comic, uh, one of the greatest comics of all time. Today, we're going to talk about Berserk by uh, Kentaro Mura. And, uh, of course, the, the reason we're, we're, we're talking about Berserk specifically today is uh, very tragic. Um, on May 6th, uh, 2021, Kentaro Miura, uh, you know, uh, left, he shuffled off this uh, mortal coil, right? Like he, um, yeah, so uh, Miura passed away recently. Uh, his death was announced to the public on uh, May 20th, 2021. And, uh, you know, it just knocked the wind out of millions, just caught so many people by surprise and uh, we're here just uh, three days later after that announcement um still you know processing uh that loss uh but uh yeah so that's that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about uh kentaro mura and uh berserk and um what this series has uh, meant to us and um this will probably be a multi-part series um i think today we're mostly just reacting to just you know this the shocking news um Right. So uh, before we get too far, uh, let's just do a quick roll, roll call. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm your host, uh, Richmond. I'm the founder of Art Eater. Um, also the uh, founder of a studio called uh, uh, BitEgg, uh, run a, a game development and uh, art uh, development studio uh, called BitEgg. Uh, yeah. And yeah, very, very excited to be here today. Uh, Sean? Hey, I'm Sean. Uh, I'm always here, uh, co-host of Art Eater. I, um, I'll do the sound editing. Um, for most of my career, I've been a, UI, a UX designer, creative director of types. Uh, now I lead all the design teams at NZXT, PC gaming company. Um, but otherwise, um, just uh, writing, talking about cool things, uh, doing podcasts, um, playing video games when I have time nowadays. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, always uh, super, super, super glad you're here, Sean. Th- th- thanks for always taking care of the audio, all the hard stuff. All right, uh, James? Well, hey, hey everybody. Uh, it's James Stanley here. Uh, I am a storyboard artist, character designer, uh, illustrator. Uh, I actually uh, write and draw my own comic called Part-Time Shuffle as well. Uh, I'm actually also working on that as a fighting game as well in its early development. Uh, you can follow a lot of my process and progress on Twitter when I'm not talking about the specifics and mechanics of fighting games that I love. Uh, always happy to be here, and uh, yeah, I'm always happy to be here. Yeah. Hello everyone. So this is Thomas from France. I'm a front-end web developer and a writer about fighting games. So um, I was also a comic book seller. So <laughs> that's uh, that's the thing. I, I sold a lot of uh, copies of Berserk during my uh, my years as a, a bookseller. So very happy to be here. 
Hey everyone, it's Adam. Uh, pleased to be here once again. Uh, I'm a game and level designer, pixel artist, and international taekwondo fighter. I also go by AJ. Uh, I go by AJ on Twitter as well. You can find me over there at, at AJ Mattis. That's at AJ Mattis. And uh, yeah, I love to share and retweet all sorts of cool art, creative projects. I love talking about art forms overall, from martial to visual, and much, much more. So if you, if you like anything else that I'm talking about, drop me a follow over there so you can hear some more. And yeah, let's get into it. All right. Um, okay, before we start, just a quick note. Um, I, I think it's just going to be a pretty free-form conversation today, um, and we will be talking about uh, the series just uh, as a whole. Don't hold back. Uh, so just uh, know uh, a spoiler alert is in constant effect uh, for this whole podcast. So um, if, if you're not, if you don't want to get like any uh, stuff, uh, story stuff or um, you know thematic stuff about Berserk spoiled. Uh, yeah, just go go check it out. It's an amazing comic. Uh, it, it's for adults, of course. It is a very very adult comic. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, spoiler alert. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about all all sorts of stuff. Um, right. So let's get into it. Um, how's everyone? How how did you take the news of uh, Mira's passing? Like I, I it it just. Man, like uh, it, it was something that I, I just felt blindsided by it. Like uh, it, yeah. I've been following the series for so long. So how, mm-hmm. how are you guys doing? Like, how... Yeah, I um, I found out I want to say midnight. I think when everybody else kind of found out, I saw the tweet from uh, it looks like a it was a berserk official Twitter account like via Young mm-hmm. Animal, and um, you know I. I, I saw the tweet and I, my initial response before even trying to read it was this, this probably isn't good. And that intuition, unfortunately was, uh, was correct. And once I saw, uh, what happened, um, I, it literally took me out of this place. Like I had just finished posting some work I did online and, you know, I usually would be interacting with people and, you know, trying to just absorb that. But it was almost as if I left my apartment, like I left this world, like I was completely uh, at a standstill, mentally, physically, uh, everything. And, uh, you know, I couldn't go to bed. Like I just kind of sat and um, absorbed, you know, the reality of uh, what happened, uh, you know, I, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I, I think that regardless of uh, the type of creator that you are, especially if you're within the spectrum of telling your own story, regardless of what medium it is, um, and you know about Mutasan, um, it, it's, it, it was a difficult thing to accept. Uh, it made me think about a lot of things. Uh, you know, the fear of having an untold story. Um, but it also made me think about uh, me as a as an artist, as a physical human being, you know, how important it is to uh, take care of ourselves and to find a way to balance the passion you have for creating the the work that you want to create because you know obviously your story is important your voice is important but there's a lot of things that kept me up that night and I didn't really speak to anybody about it probably for you know that that good portion of a half of a day but you know when people brought it up to me it, it almost reopened the wound so it's been a it's been a challenging uh, few weeks um 
you know, it was one of the days in a long time where I did not draw. Um, and anybody that knows me, um, I draw every day. Uh, even when I was working a full-time job, like I drew on my lunch breaks, I drew every single day. And, uh, you know, that day was a day where I just did not feel, uh, that I could even look at my equipment in a way that was a creative thing. Like I really needed to absorb it. So if I seem a bit somber, you know, I'm, I apologize. I'm still processing this myself personally. Um, but it was definitely a heavy hit. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm still in it right now. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah. It's one of those things that it, it, just like you said that it takes your breath away. It takes the wind out of your sails. It just completely removes you from like how it is that you thought you were feeling prior, because it's not just about, you know, one person and like their own like physical actual work. It's about what it is that that work means to so many people like all over the world for decades and decades of, of time. Like to have something and to have someone be so be so skillful in their work to give so much to a craft and then also to have that be so, you know, vividly and obviously well enjoyed by people from everywhere. It's just such a profound shame when somebody like that passes away because obviously, you know, like everyone's so incredibly shocked and sad and it's only been, you know, just a few days, but like it feels like it's been like such a longer period of time than that if you understand what i'm saying like you see everyone everyone um, that i've spoken to recently they've all had the same exact reactions talking about again being shocked being really really sad having the um having this sense of like of a disbelief because it's like again we um i i only started reading this back in like 20 like 19 and i took like a long break because part of it made me really um want to think about like my own life and like myself and stuff so i haven't caught up with everything i've mentioned this before but i remember talking to richmond about it as i was reading like the story and stuff and like there are a few things in my own life that have really made me think about who it is that i am as a person and how it is that I want to proceed with not only just like day-to-day tasks and like activities, but how I want to proceed in terms of like growing and, you know, evolving as a human being myself, like Adam is the person. And it's just something else completely to just think about the person that made me feel that way, like not being here. The fact that like, I don't have an opportunity to, to meet them or to say thank you or to, or to do anything else like that. But it's not just about me now. It's about everybody else having these exact same feelings and this profound sadness that comes from this deep mourning period that we'll all be going through for forever do you know what i mean it's it's not as though it, it's not as though these things can be just gotten over in a day of course not this is going to be something that not only just for us as enjoyers of a of an art form but also in terms of like piece of in terms of this person being such like a a driving force like for the medium itself and also in terms of like just that absolute just ground shaking artistic abilities that we'll get into later that brought so many people awe, intrigue, shock, wonder, amazement, all of it. Because I haven't seen uh, it, it, I haven't seen some images that made me feel the way some berserk pages have made me feel in a very, very, very long time. Like there's just there's just so much to say and we'll all get into it. But yeah, in terms of how it is that I've been feeling, I've been I've been very sad. I've had some other like sad like family news as well, which has also been like a like a one two double awful punch of sorts. But it's not been um it's really not been easy. It's not been easy because yeah, we are 
we all process grief differently. But I think especially in terms of this year, last year, the year prior, there have been a lot of awful and terrible like celebrity and also just again um people that we aspire to and look up to deaths we've, we've seen a lot of people leave in untimely fashions and it just goes to show again hug the people that you have close to you and tell them that they're amazing whilst you can because you really never know when any of this could happen at any point in time so yeah that's how i'm feeling right now i was uh that I thought that the way I learned it was the worst, but actually James learning it at midnight right before going to sleep is probably worse than me. I was, um, I was, I had a, an awful night of sleep and uh, I woke up like very early, something like uh, very early for me because I'm currently not working so I can sleep as much as I want. And I was, um, so first thing, I did was being grumpy and I checked Twitter and I saw like, okay, uh, Murai is dead. And I was like, whoa, no, that's it. Immediately, the first thing I thought was like, oh my God, all the, um, you know, the cynical jokes about is Murai going to make, to finish mm -hmm. Berserk before dying? Because, you know, he, he had to make, to take a lot of breaks during the, the series history and he, he started it in, 89, 1989, so it's been more than 30 years, you know, and and you're like, whoa, um, that's so unreal. And I remember like laying to bed for for, for quite some time. And um, after that, I, I woke up, I went to see my girlfriend, she was working and uh, she told me, have you heard the news? And I was like, yes. And I went to uh, to make coffee. And uh, and she followed. And while we're, I was uh, preparing coffee and eating a crepe, because if, of course I'm French, so I'm eating a crepe. I started like <laughs> crying in my in my kitchen while pouring coffee. And she was like, "Whoa, whoa, is that Mura's dad making this to you?" And I was like, "Yep, that's it." And uh, felt better after that. But uh, I think that's the first time I. Um, I cried over someone passing that I never met, you know, that's mm. something very, very strange, very strange, very strange feeling because you, you don't know this person. You don't know if it was someone good, someone bad. You only know this person through his art and interviews and things like that. So you, you feel so close to, to the artist and at the same time the reality is that you're, you're not close to him at all so that that was a very strange feeling i was in a, a, a gloomy mood for two or three days fortunately yesterday night i watched the revision and i had a lot of fun <laughs> so it you know is uh, it is a little bit my my mood but um yeah complicated very complicated mm. Uh, I actually um, didn't realize that he had passed away at first. I just saw people talking about Berserk. Um, and then uh, when I, I... I think I was also going to bed uh, or I was, um, or I was, you know, getting ready to go to bed, like, you know, the wind down or whatever, uh, that, I, that I realized that um, uh, he had passed away. I actually saw first... Did, did y'all have any images of... Um, 
the tribute that the players in Final Fantasy fourteen did. Um, yeah. So I actually that that was actually how I I because um, I, like I said I saw people talking about Berserk and I was like oh I wonder why I did notice like a dramatic uptick in all of my social media I was like wow a lot of people are talking about Berserk and then I saw a, a picture of that specifically talking about tribute to his passing and then I and then I looked it up and um, that was one of those things where you you know have that kind of ramp on moment where you're like. Uh, you know, you're like, oh no, and then uh, I was like, wait, wasn't he very, very young at it? And it's kind of like you get that moment where you're very much visited by your mortality, when when someone that you uh, that you have that you know, not, obviously I haven't met him either, but uh, when someone that uh, has an impact on you, and especially when they uh, they pass suddenly or too young, you, you kind of have that. I don't know how to explain it. I think there is actually a word for it, but the, the kind of moment where you leave yourself to some degree, like you, 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 you consider the universe to some degree. So that, yeah, that's, that's called cool. disassociation. Yeah. 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 I, I kind of had that, that impact. Like, uh, and the reason I, I mentioned is like also finding out by seeing the, the final fantasy 14 one, uh, apparently I, I haven't seen all of it, like, but apparently the line very long. And I just kind of had this like, wow. Uh, it's, it's almost like you could feel the, feel the, the, thousands millions of people that were like lined up doing it is you know what i mean like so for, for me the um i don't I, I i honestly don't often get very sad when people die uh n- unless i don't you know obviously like what thomas said uh, but i do like i've never really had that kind of disassociative effect from from someone where like it, it immediately kind of made me Maybe think about uh, existence and impact on people. So uh, I, I just kind of, it's maybe very introspective for the last few days um, in, in, a, in a way that is very hard to describe. Um, it, it definitely makes you uh, appreciate the, the things that you think are always going to be there. Like, t- to be honest with you, uh, Berserk, this, the serialization of it for me, it was almost like a comfort blanket. I just kind of felt like it was always going to be there. Uh, like yeah. I don't know if there's other series that y'all are aware yeah. of. But there's some that just that are just going on forever. Um, this is not a good example, but it, it's kind of like the, the Simpsons. I just I just don't expect it to ever end. It's just part of the society that I live in. You know, it's part of my it's part of the culture that I interact with on a day to day basis. So then there's that part of the dissociation where you're like, oh, I'm it's it's gone now. Like I'm I'm you know it's uh, it's ended. And I, I've uh, I've watched a couple of uh, other types of shows and things that have ended very abruptly. Um, and uh, I don't think I've ever had one that's uh, been so important to me where I, I know that I'm going to go back and re-experience it because that's what I do with things that I love. And I'm probably going to be revisited by this feeling every time I get to the end where it stops. So that part, I don't know if it's it's sadness, but it definitely, it definitely hits you very... Um, for, for like I said, for me, I don't really get sad. I get intro, introspective, uh, for the most part, when when people die. Um, I think I think I process uh, death very like so, somewhat more <laughs> differently than a lot of people. I don't. Uh, I, I've only just now started <laughs> crying at things that are sad um, as an adult. Uh, usually, it's Pixar movies that can activate me but i've uh, also just like what what thomas thomas said i've had moments really from the berserk anime that have hit me pretty hard um so anyway that's that's me yeah i I got something to say real quickly oh oh, go on on, richmond yeah go on richmond 
Oh man, um, yeah. For me, I, I I just found out through through a friend. Like, just uh, I, I, th- this was like Sean was saying, like just a mainstay of um, just so many friendships that I've had. Like, this was just something we we had in common, right? Like, if you ask a lot of people, like th- this would have been um, pretty much everyone I knew that was in the manga, like or, or just comics in general. Like, uh, for a lot of people that don't even like manga, they still loved Berserk. Like, it, it was just a cultural touchstone for so many people uh that i've met through so many different phases of my life too so um so yeah like uh, th- there was when i heard of his passing mira's passing i i i definitely felt that disassociated effect like it was just kind of like stepping out of the the day right it um yeah been very contemplative mm-hmm. since then uh because you, you just expect it to always be there um frankly i was kind of taking it for granted you know I, 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 um, I I'm, I'm not a, do, like, actually. yeah, <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent caught up. Like, uh, I, I, I've, I've just been, you know, buying, like, I, I still buy it in Thailand, but I, I, I can't actually read Thai. Like, I just look at the pictures and, um, <laughs> you know, I, I've been meaning to actually do a proper catch up. Um, but, uh, I, just to, to echo, um, what, what Thomas said earlier too, I, I was surprised that, uh, uh, the more I thought about the series, uh, how much it meant to me. I mean, this was one of my favorite stories in general. Um, and uh, especially like uh, comics, like I, I feel like they're a, an especially intimate medium because like a movie, you know, you, you watch for a few hours and you step away from it. TV show, maybe like you marathon it or something. But like comics to me are like the ultimate comfort. It's like I, I lay down in bed and read them. And I've been doing that my whole life. And um I don't know. Just reflecting on Berserk, uh, I, I actually cried. This is the first time in my life that I actually cried over the passing of uh, someone I've never met. You know, um, usually like there, there have been uh, vasts of, of celebrities or notable people where like I felt sad. Uh, maybe I, I really personally connected to their work. You know, but uh, this is the first time where it was like, oh wow, like I, I you know, this series really like meant a lot lot to me and uh yeah it was just for all sorts of reasons i mean like even just the selfish reason of like oh man like i'm just not gonna be able to get enjoy like new new chapters of it um but then just deeper than that like what everyone's been saying like when when someone that you respect this much uh and whose work you've connected with and enjoyed for so long when they pass like it you feel very contemplative and um yeah, it's made me just uh, think about how do I want to live my life, right? Like, because yeah. I've been getting pretty comfortable during the pandemic, just like getting a comfortable little routine. And uh, I've been really looking to um, Twitter for, for comfort, just like, you know, just to like kind of as a distraction a lot of the time. And then it's like, wow, this was sobering. Was, this was like, okay, like yeah, that, that that stuff you do for comfort is is important. Everyone needs comfort, but like, Ah, uh, let's uh, let's think about <laughs> the higher aspirations for a bit, right? Like, are are you moving towards those too? So that, yeah, that's that's my that's where I'm at. That's my headspace right now. No, absolutely. Like, that's something which obviously you know it makes me think so much. Just the fact that like he is almost exactly like thirty years older than I am. So I was born July. <laughs> I was born July fourth, nineteen ninety six. He was born July eleventh, nineteen ninety six. Sorry, sorry, 1966, sorry. 
but yeah, what it is that I'm saying there is the fact that it's like this is someone that I've looked up to um, for the past few years for me, but for so many other people, like he's been this you know huge figure in terms of just this icon in terms of art and it's it's always been this way especially from like his youth and like younger age too like i was just reading an article recently about the fact that like his work was it was stand out from when he was extremely young like he had a really really good little series that he was working on back when he was i think maybe i think 10 years old or something like that like back when he was working like like, he was working on things that back in his like early days and like with his classmates for what would be like primary school, like elementary school for some people listening. Like he was making stuff that looked like very much like professional. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it was absolutely just amazing. And just in terms of, um, in terms of the work that it takes to build a craft this way, it is something that just blows my mind because again, like I'm a martial artist. I know how much time it takes to cultivate like a skill. We all do in terms of our own aspects and own, you know, abilities to have our own like skills raised in our own crafts. But yeah, in terms of art, like it can be a grind. It can be so, so, so hard. Like I first started making pixel art when I was about 11 years old, I think about 11 or 12 years old. But that again, something which blows my mind there is just the fact that like when I first began I was again nowhere close to what it is that Miura was in terms of his like artistic literacy and skill this brings me off to a point which Richmond made a little bit ago in a thread where he's talking about like Japan's like artistic literacy rates and like why is it some children over there can draw so well or why is it that the percentages of some kids over there can draw so well and understand you know the fundamentals of art and be able to execute them in certain ways it makes me think so much about what happens when a child like this with such an aptitude for something not only just has that has that interest but like they pursue it and they treat it as you know again a craft they work at it all all the time they work really hard repeatedly they work really hard with consistency they work they, they, they just continue to work really really hard at this thing and i think something which obviously comes through in the manga itself the fact that guts is a small kid who carries a big sword who works really really hard and gets really good at what it is he's doing it there's a there's a clear parallel there like if you start at something and it doesn't matter how old you are but if you start at something young you will develop an aptitude for it that will grow into your body as you as you age and it will change as you as you continue to grow up and it'll become a part of you in a sense but just knowing the fact that like this person was literally a 10 year old and they were put they and they and they'd worked so hard to understand and produce work that looks very much professional even by like today's standards like now that i'm looking at do you know what i mean just in terms of composition in terms of you know like just utilizing like whites and blacks and all the rest of it yeah like making something like this or i've just shown it into the guys in the chat here making something like this when you've just entered like double digit age it's ridiculous to me like just thinking about how it is that people are able to push themselves so hard and how it is that they're able to keep on improving after this because obviously as we know like this um this artwork that we see and the the things that it makes us feel it they're all very specific feelings but it's like knowing that this knowing that he grew up to become such a peerless artist in a sense it it just makes sense you can only you can only see how hard it must have been and it makes you think about all of the all of the time spent all of the time spent drawing all of the time spent thinking about drawing all of the time spent not only just doing those things but all the time spent you know recovering from doing so as well because again 
drawing a lot can be hard on your wrists, hard on your arms, hard on your eyes. There are lots of people that I know who develop like some repetitive strain injuries with regards to how much they draw and with regards to how much they, you know, have to utilize their, their wrists and their arms and their shoulders and all the rest of it getting eye strains from looking at screens or even just from, you know, looking at paper when it's like late and late in the night, like it takes a lot of skill to be able to do any of this anyway. And on top of that, we've not even started talking about the, the manga industry in Japan and how hard it is to be a mangaka. So yeah, just, um, going through all of this, uh, very literal pain and hardship that gets reflected so well in the story of what Berserk is itself. But mm. I think a lot of that comes from a very true reality that he lived in his own life that we may not have always heard about and seen like specifically, you know, in the earlier stages, obviously, because, you know, no one pops out and becomes massively, you know, like world renowned uh, as soon as they start. But yeah, I think it's really important that we think about just how, how, how it's not, it's not only just like how good he was because that's already undeniable. It's more so just like how hard it is to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like how hard it is to get to those kinds of stages at any point in your life. Never mind being, you know, a child. So yeah, it's it's amazing to me. The the what's what's interesting is that a lot of things uh, came out that, like uh, Richmond. You you you. I saw you retweet a lot of uh, homage. Uh, drawings and texts by a lot of people and I don't remember you know except for very big stars like like musicians like like the Prince or David Bowie you know people like that I don't remember seeing so many people and sometimes incredible artists or people that have um, a lot of other mangakas did an homage to 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 Mura and that's the um, you know we, we're just five people here talking about how much it counts for us it counts how much Mura was important to us but the the the, the social media thing which is often you know disgusting and very negative it's allowed to take to to realize the scale of the impact Mura had in the art world and in the the comics world and in the video game world like we've seen we've seen like for example yoshinori ono the the uh, ex-producer of street fighter for the last 10 years doing an homage and was like wow that's not the person i expected you know to 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 talk about berserk i, I mean i know probably he, he likes it but to, to take the time knowing that he's the president now of a you know, big game company and something like that. And taking the time to do it, we, we've seen a lot of other great mangakas doing their own art. We've we've seen um, a lot of things, and I was like, "Whoa, that's that feeling." We we we're those feeling we are talking about. I mean, those feeling of uh, sometimes sadness or introspection. Sometimes question your question questioning our own. Um, uh, life decisions, things like that. For example, I'm an uh, ex. Uh, I'm an art student. Uh, have a degree in art, but I haven't done art in ten years, more than ten years now. And uh, that's always been something that has been bothering me. Like, why can't I do it again? You know, knowing that uh, guys like um, Mura or um, 
and other mangakas like uh, Inoue or things like that, they've always been a huge inspiration to me and they've written and drawn stories that mean so much, so much to me and that uh, that participated in making me who I am, you know, and um, and you you see this person disappearing and you see all those other people feeling the same as you saying like oh my god we it's it's like we a lot of people suddenly um lost a, a kind of you know i won't say paternal figure but you know artistic uh i don't know a kind of leader or or inspirational figure also um Mura was always the kind of the, the work he was doing and how he did it and oh he managed in more than 30 years to 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 do Berserk that's not something almost anyone managed to do like maybe Oda may is the same you know with uh, with One Piece but it's it it's different you know the strengths of One Piece are different and and uh, and Berserk is, is I, I think it's so much personal. It's way more personal than a series la, like One Piece. That's just an opinion. So don't don't come back at me saying it. Uh, One Piece doesn't come. That's not what I'm saying. But yeah, I, I think you know, uh, you know what I mean. It's it's su suddenly suddenly someone like um, someone we were all aspiring to maybe to 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 catch up to disappeared. And that's not like Sean said. It was. I expected to be retired when Mura will die. You know, I, w I was expecting mm. to be in in thirty years. Like when when I was going to to start thinking about my own mortality, I'm going. I, I was going to learn that Mura was dead. You know, and instead is dead now at fifty four. That's super young. And you're like, wow, that's that that was not supposed to happen this this way. We, but that's also a good um, kick in the butt <laughs> of some sort. Of uh, you know, hey, time is passing on. If you already have regrets, maybe it's time to not have regrets and just uh, do your do your stuff and do your shit. And uh, and that's all. Just like James. Uh, said and uh, i think everyone here is doing his best as uh, at his work and his hobbies and things like that and i was when i got very introspective after after the sadness i was like man i know i've been doing a lot of things these past 10 years i've been doing a lot of podcasts i've been writing i've been coding a lot of things but the thing that mattered the most to me was always art and storytelling and i haven't done shit you know and that was the kind of um yeah, slap in the face like, uh, yo, wake up, <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to die someday. And just like James said, so many untold stories. Oh, so many people have, you know, amazing stories and ideas in their head that we never hear about and that disappear with them. And that's so sad. That's so, 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 so sad. So, that's yeah. uh, one of my biggest fears. And um you know, again, anybody who's known me for a long time, you know, they know that, you know, I try to dedicate as much as I can within my own path. So uh, for me, Miura was always this, uh, he was like a, he's like a, like a farmer that set 
a particular precedent for everyone else who wanted to grow their own work, so to speak. You know, he kind of created like this particular lifeblood that it's not that you want it to be exactly like Miura, because I think everybody kind of understands that yeah. you can't be yeah, you can't uh, do that Miura, but it does make you feel that you want to put so much in every panel and uh, every choice that you make for your character to speak or not speak. Uh, it makes you uh, really take the time to understand the importance that of that moment that a reader has with your work in the world that you're building. Um, and, you know, always in the back of my mind when I was like catching up with Berserk or planning to catch up with Berserk, you know, I'd always think to myself, like, you know, I want to make the best world that I can make, but I want to make sure that people see it. Um, and, you know, his passing, you know, definitely made those feelings even stronger. You know, I mean, like, like most people, we're all juggling different responsibilities. Um, and in, in my case, you know, I, I have something that I'm been working on for a long time and, you know, figuring out and navigating that can be a challenge in of itself. But the one thing that I've always done, and I feel like, you know, Miura has always been an instrumental inspiration in that regard is I've always kept one foot in front of the other, uh, whether it's retooling or, you know, putting out the books that I have or retooling an aspect of the property that hasn't been released. Um, but having that, that, that sentiment of, you know, I have to put this out at some point has always been a, a really strong motivator, you know, is to get people to see things. Um, and I think that Miura, he, he set this tone for a lot of people. It doesn't matter what type of storytelling you're doing. It could be manga, it could be comics, it could be movies, it could be video games, it could be anything. Um, his work touched the world in so many different ways that a lot of people don't readily recognize. I mean, we're talking about Ono-san, uh, you know, giving tribute. I mean, there's so many things that have no connection to what Miura is doing, but yet those things were inspired in some way by uh, the dedication that he put into every single panel. You know, I feel like you look at one of the volumes of Berserk and it's like you could put that entire volume in a museum somewhere. You know, because there's so much beauty, not just in the the narrative, obviously, of what he's telling too, because that's a very strong, it's just as strong as the art. Um, but it's just, you could feel, even if you haven't read Berserk, you know, you show somebody Berserk, it it takes you to another place. It, it commands your attention. Um, and for me, you know, I hope just like many other artists hope, you know, in our own way that we can leave our stamp on the world, but he set a really strong precedent and, uh, you know, with his passing, it, it only inspires me more to, you know, find a balance, you know, cause I think that's the thing that people really need to think about too, is like, as hard as we want to work and as much as we love what we do, uh, it's really important to, take care of ourselves you know the stories we have in us are important but our existence is important too and um we should try to be here as long as we can you know utilize the time do it you know make the work you know do the story um but i also think like to some degree we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves yeah. and i hope and that that's that a special that's super important talking talking about mura because he had a lot of health issue 
that were related to work you know like the the thing that killed him is basically uh, an after effect of um, hypertension and um, he always talked about how he was drawing at night because he, he couldn't do it uh, during the day and how he was drawing and drawing and drawing and after that it took like two days to rest doing basically nothing and after that he came back to the grinder and started again again and it's only in recent years that he managed to find a balance uh, as he was aging to um, take some rest during his uh, his, uh, his week uh, of work so that's uh, that's wh what you just said James is so important because you a lot of people will say that to arrive to to achieve this the the, the the level of achievement of Mura, you need to sacrifice everything. And there's even if Mura was someone very funny in interviews or things like that, he was also a kind of. He sometimes appeared as a, some kind of uh, sad figure, you know, someone um, trapped by his work, trapped by his responsibilities, and uh, and you can't do something like uh, i hope you can but in his case he could not balance doing berserk and uh and having the the, the life uh, or doing everything he wanted to do in life you know he, he didn't rest enough he said it a lot of times he had a, a second series that he was working on uh, a science fiction uh, story he only made, I think, uh, after Berserk, uh, during Berserk, he only made like two extra stories, uh, which were Japan and uh, Giganta Komos or something like that. Giganta Machia, yeah. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. you know, th th there was probably a lot of things going on in his mind that we will never know now. And what is super sad is that his uh, science fiction story, it was already planned to happen after Berserk. And he was like, no, I can talk about it right now. But yeah, it's uh, it's going to happen. It's something I'm going to do after Berserk. If I can, he, he said uh, in one of the last interviews he, he did, he said, once Berserk is done, uh, I'm going to rest a lot. And once I'm rested, if I can rest and if I, you know, recover the energy and the, the health and things like that, I will do any, something else. But it was... You know, he was he was very self-conscious about his own health and how it was how doing Berserk was. Uh, I don't know. I won't say make him suffer, but he was not in a healthy shape. I would say so. That's uh, that's that's complicated, and I'm one hundred percent behind James. You making art while suffering is not something you want to do it's um yeah it's a it's a good shortcut to be in a, in a state in a mood of um of you know creativity when you're when you're a bit in a destructive or uh, sad or melancholic mood it's something that actually helps it helps you focus it helps you uh, you know grind it, it, it puts you in a, in a grind state where you you do what is necessary you you talk to yourself i don't have the, the choice it's the thing I have to do it's and i do it now and of course when when you feel better you have a lot less reasons to you know grind for hours on something 
but that's uh, finding this balance is probably even harder than doing art probably <laughs> so um yeah if you're an artist listening to this podcast please take care of yourself yeah it's a yeah, it's a difficult balance to uh to strike uh i mean i i know for myself you know maybe i'm getting a little personal but i know that the narratives that i have with characters in my stories definitely come from darker places that i've been in my life uh and sometimes uh tapping into that mindset you know when you're writing a script or tapping into that mindset when you're uh creating a particular type of mood with light color whatever it is um you know it definitely can be helpful uh definitely there has to be a a particular sense of self-awareness and i think that uh in a weird way um you know his unfortunate passing does cause a uh, particular catalyst for uh, self-introspection on a collective level among a lot of artists and um you know I, i think that this is the type of conversation that should be had uh a lot more than the hey man draw all night draw all day you know the grind is the grind i mean because i kind of grew up in that sort of environment looking at mangaka like well you know i guess the whole idea is that th how people do this is that they die for their craft i mean that's something that i uh morbidly sort of considered uh when i was in my 20s just like well i have to prove to the world that i have these worlds that people can enjoy and i don't care about anything else enough to worry about anything else because this is me this is what's important and this is what matters but creatives matter as humans as well and i think that everybody's vantage point may be a little bit different and it's going to vary but there are definitely people that are having these conversations and i do think there are people that are definitely looking at this to say okay well i'm going to put my best foot forward i'm going to tell my story but i want to make sure that i live long enough to you know not just tell the story but to just have a good life to have a healthy life uh, it's okay for artists to be able to indulge in that um and i i hope that to some degree that people can take that from what's happened uh it's weird it's like this guy gave so much and even in his passing in a in a, in a specific way he's still giving you know there's lessons that we can take from uh his journey um You know, like I said, this hurts me a lot more than I'm letting on to, but there is a bit of a catharsis here to express and talk about these things. And I hope that, you know, it only furthers anybody else's, uh, you know, journey through this because it's, it's, it's really tough, man. No, absolutely. I, uh, like, I, I just want to comment about, um, so we've been talking a lot about, you know, mortality, like giving it all for your craft, um, really like suffering for it willingly though knowing that you have to sacrifice for it and um you know I, i found myself revisiting berserk like just just the first volume i haven't i haven't read the first one in ages i, I reread it today and um my gosh like it's, it's right there right at the beginning all these themes that we're talking about everything we're reflecting on after the passing of mira it was very explicitly laid out like early on in that comic um You know, there, there's the panel that's being passed around a lot now online where it's got, he's sitting and he's saying, well, you know, this person died doing what they wanted. He probably died happy, right? And um, that happens like right at the beginning of the story. He, uh, the context of it was um, he gets picked up 
in a caravan. I, I think it was the first or second volume. It's very early on. Uh, a priest picks him up, peaceful guy, you know. And at first he tells the guy, like, look, you, like, you, you, you don't want to pick me up. It's fine, whatever. But then the guy insists. He's like, okay, whatever. Like, I'll go for a ride. And the guy kind of lectures him a bit about, like, oh, you're a mercenary. Like, my nephew was a mercenary. And he, you know, he passed away, like, a few years ago. And, you know, what a waste, right? And that's his response. I was like, well, you know, he he died doing what he wanted. He was, you know, he's probably happy. And it, like, <laughs> he, I think Mira was, what, probably... Uh, how old was he when he was started? He would have been maybe like 21, 18 or 22. 19, something like that. 19. Um, that was when he wow. debuted when he was 19. Uh, yeah. I, I think Berserk, he, he couldn't have been older than 23, but like that theme was right there from the beginning. And, and 20, how many years has it been? 29 years? Uh, almost three started? decades later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's more than yeah, three decades. 89. Yeah. We're still talking about the theme that he laid out <laughs> in right at the beginning yeah. of the story. Yeah. No, it's yeah. It started off the uh, original run, October of nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but he also pre yeah. There's also a premiere of a of a prototype of a berserk in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. Oh right, yeah. 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 Like, there's a there's a there's like a pre berserk yeah like a prototype type thing, but yeah. But I just wanted to mention a couple of other things as well, just briefly. Just the fact that um, something that my friend uh, Mello, an awesome musician, said. Just the fact that this uh, IP as a whole, like it started, th th this this is the uh, how can I put it? It's it's the birthplace of the cool big guy with the sword, like a yeah. trope. <laughs> if that makes sense, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's what this that's what this is, <laughs> and like. We, we, we so often forget the we, we just forget that we forget the fact that like this is what so many people who've made other things that we love and enjoy they saw this and said wow this is amazing i'm gonna you know make something that has been inspired by this beautiful um this beautiful ip right here and then they do so and then like those things that they make they become things that inspire other people again and then further on and so on and so forth so i think there's like a there's a beautiful thing that comes that, that comes and happens especially with creativity and especially with people who make things like we get to share what it is that we have with the world and in essence like it makes us how can i put it it, it makes us really feel as though like we're learning from the past but also yeah. our versions, of, yeah, the versions of ourselves, like that we, for example, before reading Berserk, I was a different person. After reading what it is I know about it now, I'm a different person, obviously because I've grown since then, but also because of, you know, what it what it made me feel. And then we put this into our own work and then obviously someone checks that out and someone else can feel something similar in their own way. Like, that's why it is that we do this. We give these things as gifts to future versions of ourselves and other people that also in turn do the same thing. But just to sort of relink back to my original point here. Yeah, like Mello says that there were like do he there were dozens of chapters into um like Berserk itself. And then he realized that, you know, Guts is not just like any big sword guy, but like the big sword guy. And like that's the moment of like a of the creation of a character, like archetype that he'd known practically since he was born. Because like that's the truth like draw you know i mean it's like we see cloud strife we see so many characters we, we see soul caliber we see all these things yeah. of like characters with like huge sort of we see rave master you know what i mean we we think monster of all Hunter, of these different devil things cry. monster hunter exactly exactly yeah. devil may cry exactly like you don't look bloodborne you don't get any of these things yeah. 
without Berserk. Like, none of that happens. And then also, think about how many things those IPs that we've mentioned just there, of, of, of course, thousands more, I'm sure. Like, think of how many things that those... That those um, think of how many people that those things have inspired. Do you know what I mean? Like, there are so many people even working, like, right now on things which we don't know about who think, oh, wow, like, I really love Monster Hunter. I really love this. I really love that. Like, it all comes from, like, this beautiful, beautiful land. And there's so many people there that make such beautiful artwork. And we really ought to just give true props and praise to just the fact that, like, we live in an age now that we get to share our work with people on the internet so easily that we get to, you know, see and learn so much about the world. And I was just looking up recently as well, there's a vast portion of the population. I think it's just above, I think it's just below half of the population that doesn't even have like internet access yet. So it's like, there are so many other people whose voices that we don't even like get to hear yet, but it's like, I personally get really excited thinking about the fact that there are so many people out there who are going to give us so much that we will love and enjoy for years and years to come. And I think that when we get to show people who'd never seen Berserk before or people who've never seen all sorts of things before, like we'll get to see uh we'll get to see these feelings again. Do you know what I mean? We'll get to see that amazement, that wonder, that that love for passion of art. And I think one of my favorite things just about all of the work which um, Mira was a part of, it was just amazing just to see how much care was put into every single page and in every single panel some of the most detailed work i've ever seen but not just detailed for the sake of it detailed in a way that like that illustrates life that breathes life into still into still images and makes them feel real just the fact that i'm thinking of guts swinging this gigantic sword and it didn't just like cleave through people it like destroyed like their internal organs like in a way that was very much like not just like realistic for the sake of it but it had like an artistry to it it had like a flow it had a tempo it had a feel it had a weight to it and it made you feel the impact of everything that you were seeing in front of you another thing as well one of my other favorite images i'm just going to post this in now this is a bit of a spoiler so i'll just preface spoiler spoiler coming up but um it's when griffith and Guts first have that duel on the snowy peaks of the mountain, and the the sun is 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 um is uh, just peeking up behind them as as day breaks, as morning breaks. And I remember whilst I was reading this, I was talking to Richmond. And I think I sent him this image, and I was talking to him about it. And it still stays with me now because like that's what fighting is. Like that's what I do. Like when I go into a ring with somebody, like there's a moment in time where just before the referee steps out of the way. It's just you two and you're right there and it's all of your training versus all this other person's training. But it's not just that. It's all the people that you know that have cheered you on. It's all the people that have helped you out when you needed it. It's the people that wrap your bandages. It's the people that help you out in the in, in the in the medical areas of what it is that you're doing. It's the friends that cheer you on. It's the family that cheer you on. But most of all, it's yourself. And it's yourself versus another person. And I think that just the way that this one image is set up here, it embodies that so perfectly. Because again, like, it's just so beautiful to look at. It's the fact that we're looking at two people with two very different sets of like, ideals and convictions, but they're fighting for a specific reason. They're fighting to become what it is that they want to be in the world. Guts is fighting so that he can leave and become himself. Griffiths is fighting because he needs Guts to stay so he can be himself. Do you know what I mean? Like they're fighting themselves for each other. 
and that's what I really loved about this, just the fact that like it's so it's so complex, but it's so clear. It's so hard to understand, but it's just it's just a, it's two people dueling is what it looks like. But there's a wealth of of backstory behind such a simple image, and yeah, I think it really does um, just go to show how skillful of an artist you have to be to be able to make so make something feel make something so simple feel so emotionally um, rewarding and powerful and cathartic. So yeah, I just wanted to get that off my chest really quickly because again, none of this is easy to do. And it's the it's the act of making simple things look so engaging and look so entertaining and interesting. It's it's just a it's a craft that people have to develop over time, and yeah, it's just fantastic. Yeah, that, that was beautifully put. Yeah, there's so much behind that. Just that one panel out 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 of countless, but the, yeah, it's so iconic. That's that's something very interesting about Berserk is that. We've, we've been talking for some time now and people listening to us and not knowing about what Berserk is, they probably just know the series as um, the series with the guy with the big sword. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But Berserk is so much more like AJ just expressed. We, I think we can all find very personal things inside this uh, this comics because of course it's um for those who don't know the we we start the story with guts with his big sword and things like that and very early we go into um into a flashback and uh, you can't go more flashbacky than that because uh, it goes it starts with guts uh, so the, the the main protagonist guts birth like very simply and uh and after that you follow him for <laughs> 40 volumes of uh, incredible beautiful pages and stories uh, meeting incredible characters and antagonists and monsters and things like that and it's not just you know um i, I always when i think about berserk i also think a lot think a lot about bastard you know uh, another long very long going on story that uh, he's on halt but Berserk always felt to me that it was the more the more it was more emotional and more um, I won't say he has I think it, it balanced you know the, the rage that we can feel in guts uh, that we can feel with guts with a lot of humanity and empathy uh, for its characters, for its world, for for us as the reader, and uh, that's probably this humanity and empathy that we that that made us very fall in love with this series. Because if it was just a masterfully drawn story of a dumb guy swinging his sword, I don't think it will we will be as emotional mm-hmm. as we are while talking about it. So I really want to 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 encourage our listeners that haven't uh, listened to it to um, to really give it a try the the, the first three volumes that they, they are kind of what you think berserk will be about a big angry guy uh swinging a sword at big monsters and uh, and eviscerating them <laughs> things like that and it's <laughs> very crude and very violent and um but suddenly it shifts to something else to a personal story and once you're in you will never be able to get out 
of it. No matter, I mean, you you probably will take poses, but you you even reading all the horrible things that happen during this these comics, even seeing the the violence and the violence of this world uh, that those protagonists live in, you probably will not stop reading it and you will probably want to learn what's uh, the, the the next part of the story and how it will unfold so really give it a try don't don't be um you know don't get yourself stopped by just the, the two and a half volume first volumes just go beyond that you're going to to see a lot of hard things really 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 hard things but you're also going to see a lot of beautiful really beautiful human beings in this uh in this comics and and you'll probably find um things that you can relate to things that you've uh, experienced in life and you're going to see parallels with your own experience of life in Berserk, I think. I'm sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional <laughs> there, but it's, it's, okay. really, it's, it's, really, it's really a story that, that means a lot. And there's, I think we all, you know, I'm not a fighter as you, as you are, AG, you know, so I've never felt the, the, this, the, this panel, that uh, this double patch panel that you talked about. I've never felt it the, the way you felt it, but I felt a lot of other things reading Berserk and uh, I think we all take what we want <laughs> from this mm. and we push we, we put ourselves inside it well, on our own experiences inside it but it's um, there's a reason to it it's not just big guys swinging a straw like trust us if we're if we're doing this podcast it, it's because it's not just big guys swinging a straw Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to kind of piggyback on with uh, with what's go with what's been said here is, um, I mean, much like what you know Thomas is saying. I mean, I'm not a fighter the way that AJ is, but you know, I I play tournaments, I play fighting games. Uh, that's probably the closest that I will ever get to stepping on a mat with uh, <laughs> anybody. But there's a particular stillness that sometimes happens. Uh, you know, and for me, as opposed to walking on the mat and just seeing that person, for me, it's uh, in a tournament in environment, you know, and you're maybe you're fighting like a rival that, you know, you're you're trying to beat like your inner demon. Uh, and you've done a lot of training on your own, a lot of your own, uh, you know, introspective thoughts. And, you know, you're at this point where you're it's almost like you're at character select and normally you hear the theme, you feel the people behind you like watching. But, uh, for me, sometimes that feeling goes away and there's nobody there. It's just me. Uh, mm -hmm. my opponent isn't even physical at that point. My opponent is just whoever is on the opposing side. Um, and there's this, this, this bit of a still moment when you're picking whatever you have to pick. And, um, you know, for me, it's, it's pushing away jitters. All that stuff goes away. And you're just thinking about what's ahead. Um, you know, I, I feel that particular feeling also in uh, older Chambara films. There's a particular stillness that happens uh, before very important uh, fights in terms of emotional context as well. 
you know, whatever journey you followed with that character leading up to this point, uh, the, con the context is so heavy. Uh, and a lot of times it's very heavy in Berserk when, you know, he draws his sword because you know, to me, Guts speaks with his sword also. Um, and, you know, that particular panel is uh, incredibly striking. Even to this day, there are certain panels that I look at now uh, that I haven't looked at in years and it makes me tear up. It makes me feel uh, how I felt the first time I got to that point. It still stands uh, to this day. And Miyota-san is one of the few people that can, you know, do that with a drawing and do, and do that with story, like world building and the way that he writes characters' paths. Um, it's, it's always a special moment, even when nothing is happening, quote unquote, nothing is happening because there's always something, but... Um, it's incredibly special. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up, AJ, because that's one of the few, one of the many shots that I look at and I, I, there's something that I feel, even if I'm not reading it within the context of what's happening, just seeing it again takes me back. No, absolutely. There, there are a few different ones, actually, I just want to sort of talk about very briefly. Um, I'll, I'll just mention this one other one so everyone else can get a turn, I suppose, but... One of my other favorite moments was, um, I believe it was Guts and uh, was it Guts and Casca looking out over uh, over the night sky from the top of that of that hill? Like, do, do you guys remember this one? And then um, those those that beautiful tree shot behind them. I'm trying to find it right now, but I'm looking. I'm, I can see it. In my, I can see it in my brain. But like, there's a um, there's a beautiful beautiful like piece, and it's like it's the night sky, and it's just all um, like glittery. And the stars are just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I think I know what you're just... talking about. Is that the one where the most of the panel is black? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exa yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Exactly. exactly yeah. But just it, it's the way there are a few different ones. For example, again, there's another one. Uh, I just found another one here. Just the ability to draw the night sky like like this, just to have it be so stark black, and then to have each of these stars feel like they're kind of twinkling and like literally like alive. But they're just dots, and you can see this in in that sense. But it's just amazing when we actually get to look at this. And obviously, you know, if you've been outside and there's not a lot of light pollution in the in in the area where you are, like that, you can see this, you know, vast like ocean of stars above you, and it's really quite beautiful. I really hope that everyone that listens to this gets to experience that at some point in their life. But yeah, I, I've done this before. I, I've laid down on the ground as a child, and I do remember looking up at stars and seeing you know just a whole just a vast slew of stars all across the sky and like again this reminds me of that it's the fact that Mira was always able to make these beautiful and seemingly normal moments that can be so somber just feel like they take you to another planet just to another world like they bring a sense of like tranquility and peace and calm that washes over you and it's something that I feel is just amazing it's it's not it's not even as if these are the most like outlandish things you could have ever seen. For we, we know that Berserk is a story with some of the most wild monster and creature designs, as I'm sure we'll get into later on. But again, these are moments which are so seemingly normal, which we will have seen in other things before. Another one here, but sat down looking out over the night sky. Do you know what I mean? It's like, we know these things are very regular activities for people to do, just generally, but it's the fact that, like, he's so good at what it is that he does, and it makes us feel the way that we do. It's it's beautiful. It really, really is. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's one of uh, Mira's just incredible talents um, as an artist and storyteller, is that he is capable of making everything feel very grounded. 
right? Whether whether it's something very mundane and relatable or uh, something totally fantastic, it, it just has this equal sense of reality to it. And um, I, I, I think that's why, you know, yeah. it just as a whole, it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. It, it makes you feel like it's really happening. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I'm going to show you my, my two, I, I would say, favorite images of the of Berserk. And this is this one. And this, just right after, there's another one. And uh, for those listening, I'm not going to yeah. spoil, you know, but... Uh, I think that's the moment that Berserk hits me the strongest ever in the whole the whole series because for those who don't know about Berserk, Guts the main the main character he's um, he's a big warrior like a big guy with a big sword but uh, that doesn't mean he's invincible actually he takes it takes a lot of pain to do what he does <laughs> which is a slicing uh, gigantic monsters and demons <laughs> in half. And um, just as every uh, every manga with fightings and all, you have an increase in power and in you know the strength of the enemies. And uh, and guts in the world series has to evolve also as a fighter, as a, and has a character. And um, Yura said in an interview that he always felt it was a trap to to do this. So he managed during the world series to only rise the the power and the strength of his characters little by little he was saying that he was raising uh, each each time there's a you know a, a new a new monster or a new opponent he would only rise the 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 strength of the opponent by three percent you know like <laughs> to avoid being like oh i'm a 50 percent more powerful than you and so guts will have to be suddenly for no reason because guts is just a human being you know in the world berserk series is incredibly strong and there's something strange about it but it's it's believable because of this of his uh, childhood and story and things like that and so the two panels that i linked to you guys and i uh, i just explained at during one moment in berserk the, the the world shifts a little bit because you know it's a dark fantasy story but at some point, it's more medieval, uh, more medieval with a little touch mm-hmm. of dark fantasy, and it goes more and more into dark fantasy. You you will see less castles and more monsters or magic or things like that. The series evolves this way, and so at some point, Guts also has to evolve and he and becomes and he becomes stronger. But when he becomes stronger, it's it takes a lot uh, to to become as strong as he is and um, at some point he gets uh, a tool to be way stronger and the the toll to be stronger is huge on his body and i mean very very huge and we're talking about someone that already lost an arm and an eye you know so <laughs> you know the, the default mode of guts is already you know uh, very broken like very, mm-hmm. very, and suddenly it takes all the it takes this burden on himself. And during this this moment, he saves uh, someone who is dear to him. But this people, th- this this person, 
is unable now because of her disability to recognize what is doing for her and um, and those two panels are probably the saddest because they encompass the the it's the world gut story is fighting for other people for the people he loves and he's taking huge risk and a huge hits on his body on his mind on his sensibility on all these things and that's probably the moment he takes the strongest strongest hit and uh, you see him remove the, the the helmet of his armor and under it because we couldn't see his face some of his hair has turned white due to the pain his face is entirely burned with giant scars running all over his you know cheeks and mouth and and eyes and things like that and we can see that it's not good he's not feeling good and one character reacts saying oh my god this is this is awful what's happening to to you and the real person what that is the reason why he's doing it looks at him and is afraid of him and cannot recognize what why he's doing it and the next panel is almost the same as the first one but he lay his head down and on his face there is um oh my god a sadness such a a sadness on his face is burned is destroyed is destroying himself and the person who who is doing it for cannot recognize this you know and that's probably the the, the moment when i uh, i was the most touched and uh, destroyed by this manga basically mm. <laughs> because it's so powerful and it encompasses the whole the whole fate of this character which is fighting in the shadows and taking it and uh, and being the big guy with the sword but that is not very allowed to listen to himself and to his own needs and uh, is this is this this sacrificial figure of the of the world story he knows it and he knows that it probably won't change anything or he hopes it will change anything something it hopes he hopes that uh, something mm. good will come from all this but it doesn't happen and that's something absolutely terrible because he can't do anything about it except you know putting one step before the other and continuing that's um, we, we talk about suffering and Mura and things like that and that's the um, that's for me is the the, the more uh, the more important take uh about this uh this series and this character anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i feel you on that i feel you on that 100 percent. just i just wanted to get into something just very very briefly really quickly um i i found a bunch of my old favorite images whilst i was reading this and just a couple of my favorites here the fact that okay so there's a character that exists within this story and they're called griffith and they are that there is hard that they are basically like the wonder boy of a, of this of the earlier area of the series and <laughs> it's just it, yeah, I mean, yeah yeah yeah, yeah i mean like right. it, it it yeah 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 i mean it, it's it's funny That's just because again it. it's like i mean yeah, i mean 
yeah yeah because it's like they're, they're, they're the perfect person do you know what i mean like they have like this amazing like ability that everybody loves them they're very like attractive like they're very you know commanding and charming and cunning and smart they're every positive like aspiration and affirmation that you'd ever want like as a human being and then we know about like well as people will read like goods very much is not this so when it when it is that they are they get they get invited to a certain place. I'm not going to spoil too much either, like Thomas did. Not like, like Thomas was saying, like not to spoil. So I'm not going to spoil anything. But they get to a certain place, and Griffith is having a conversation with somebody, and he says this. He says, "What I think a friend is is one who is my equal." And those words really stuck with me because the next panel after that is quite literally like this huge vast gulf of separation between like Guts and Griffith, and this is vast, you know, like dark abyss between them with just this sort of cherry blossom like flits of like of white um specks going across and it's just such a massive you know like display of who it is that these people are and how far they you know have come in terms of the differences between them like for all of guts's strength and for all of his ability his prowess on the battlefield at this point his you know mass killing and innate skills with regards to you know being able to dispose of opponents mass levels of orders of magnitude strength higher than his he finds a way to do it he's still not as emotionally strong as as griffith is here but he's also missing something else he's missing conviction He's missing ambition and drive, and he's missing his own dreams and his own goals. So there is something here within these panels that just, it so clearly states everything, but there's nothing there. Do you know what I mean? Like, there are no words here. If it, if it gets posted, um, it'll make a lot more sense. But it's just two characters, and one is so much further than the other person in front of them. And again, like, we've all felt that in our lives. We've all felt that in terms of seeing someone or something, or hearing someone or something, and you think, oh my goodness, like, they are so much more ahead of me. And it's just the fact that we can all relate to that as, as you know, being humans and being people and having our own life experiences. Seeing that so beautifully put together with no words, with only, you know, three bubbles of setup, and then just, you know, this vast blankness of space with no words in between. It just says everything. It really is truly, you know, a picture meaning a thousand words. And again, we see this time and time and time again. Just in terms of artistry, I'm just going to drop in a few other of my favorites here. Because again, like, just the ability to create on this kind of a level and have it render you kind of like speechless again. Every single time that I saw one of these, I would literally just like look at my screen and I would sit there for at least five to 10 minutes and just say like nothing. I would just be, I would just be amazed. I'd be enthralled. The same way that I've always been when I see favorite pixel art of mine or favorite art of mine in general. And one thing which I ended up learning about actually about Mira and his and his work ethic and his own, you know, work style, something that he used to do. He used to apparently go through each of these images that he was creating pixel by pixel, which is something which obviously means a lot to me. But I was thinking to myself, just again, even recently, like just the idea of doing so. Like it just blows my mind because these are really large images, and you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't need to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like you wouldn't need to be to be going in like that that far. You wouldn't need just in terms of you know 
not only just efficiency of time, but just like how it is that, you know, images are composed. When we take photographs, they're composed of mass amounts of pixels anyway, we already know this. But I mean, like, just for example, imagining going in on going in on something and trying to actually sort of build this out in with, with a pixel artist mindset, that blows my mind. It, it just, <laughs> just absolutely blows my mind, just in terms of how large these images are and just in terms of how much work that would be just in my brain, just tallying it up. It, it's just something that is world-rending in terms of dedication to a craft. And I believe that it only speaks to the true amounts of dedication and just the, the, the love of it, really, honestly, the, 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 just the love of creation and the love of the process. Because I cannot imagine a more time-intensive thing than trying to create just a single one of these images from a, from a pixel artist like, standpoint. Yeah. It, it, it just blows my mind. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, I just want to say real quick, I think uh, Sean and James will remember uh, a certain professor we had. We, we all went to uh, SCAD uh, together, Savannah College of Art and Design. There was a certain professor who actually did the same thing. Uh, this this man, Paul Hudson, he, he was the most yeah. admired, <laughs> admired professor. I, he, I, I don't say this lightly. Like, this guy was a, a genius. Like, he... he um, he was like a Disney Imagineer when he was like 19, you know, he was like designing spacesuits. He would like, you know, piece skulls back together for the, the FBI. Uh, he, he would wow. reconstruct dinosaurs, like amazing. And, uh, he, yeah, like one day just in class, like I just remember he just dropped, he, he would do these photo reel recreations of dinosaurs, not even for public display, just so he could model and sculpt them off of that. And then, um, and then we were like, wait, are you, he's like going in like on a pixel level. Like he, I don't know if he was even familiar with the term pixel art. He didn't even play video games, but he was just like, oh yeah, you know, I like to just zoom way in. It's just so hard to do. Yeah. It's just so, so hard to do. Because again, it's like I started off um, just falling in love with uh, Pokemon games and stuff. And I used to look at, I used to hold the Game Boy Advance up to like my face and I'd be like, whoa, it's like, oh my God, it's like real. Like, ah, I used to be, I used to just like get into all that. But it's like the idea of somebody making anything close to being like photo real, just, you know, pixel by pixel by pixel. It, yeah, it's absolutely like ridiculous. There have been times in like my life where like I've gone in on Photoshop and stuff like that and I've zoomed in just really, really far just to get a, just to get a, an idea as to like what kind of ideas of colours like really make what it is that I'm looking at in, in terms of like the actual world like around me and stuff. So I'd take pictures of things and I'd zoom in really far and I'd be like, okay, what does that actually like look like if I was looking at it from this kind of a, of a perspective? But just the just the idea of trying to make like, you know, trying to trying to even not, not even trying to make, but trying to edit something out like that especially something in something in terms of you know like the physical work that you're doing because the marks that you make on paper like these aren't just you know like going to be very simple like lines when you when we go down and zoom into the pixel level like they have like mass amounts of like gradients and colors in between all of them like just even if even drawing like one line with a pencil and then like taking a picture of that that pencil will not all that pencil mark that will not all be the same shade or the same color or the same consistency. Do you know what I mean? Like we know this, but it's like for people that don't, like there are hundreds of colors that we see all of the time that we think are actually other colors, but there are just multiple, multiple sets of differences between them. So it's like, yeah, hearing about that and knowing that that was something that he used to do 
in terms of you know like either just for fun or within the editing process or even so much so that editors would you know quite rightly <laughs> like shout at him and be like hey we can't do this it would take too long like we're on a time schedule like yeah, it, it just makes you think about the love of the craft and how long it takes to really get something perfect. I wanted to say that um, this is the kind of thing that um, I think is starting, like, well, it's been getting lost a bit in <clears throat> the way that digital art has been progressing, because kind of what you're talking about is that a lot of tools nowadays do a lot of work for you. They extrapolate things, they interpret it, um, and... I, I don't want to say that people get lazy, but it, it definitely, uh, you know, lets, it, it lets things fill in the blank. And when you hear about, uh, to me, this is the difference between a true craftsman and uh, someone that's just designing or art is the intentionality to go in at, a, at this level, even like what Richmond said, where Paul Hudson didn't even have a, a word for it. It wasn't, a, it's not about pixels, right? Um, this is something I see in great designers as well, right? It's just the the care and the craft to go in. Well, I think you hear the, the buzz term, someone is detail oriented. And that's, that's not really, um, that's not what people mean by that. But I think people that are truly detail oriented, it comes from that love of the craft. Like when, when you really care about every piece of something, when you're, you, you really um, want it to be good, you want to make sure that everything is good. And you don't, you don't let it, you don't let a computer program or you don't let uh something just fall on the page you make sure that it is well placed and i i think that is when you look at art like uh like with berserk it's it's a quality that people pick up on but they don't understand like you're like why does this look so good why is everything so controlled it actually yeah. re reminds me a lot of um you know some of the uh the the, the kind of the wood lithogram uh prints from um mm -hmm. Why am I blanking? Uh, yeah, Dora, stuff, okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was too. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Like when you look at a lot of uh, older art, uh, especially ones that are in marble as well, like they were to some degree forced to do that because they couldn't make a mistake and they, they had to have that detail. But to see that in the modern world where there's so many tools that reduce uh, the need for the artist to do that, I think it means more. And that's that's why I think it's yeah. it speaks so much to what a craftsman he was. Yeah, that's, mm -hmm. yeah because you, we've talked about doing a show on um, on Chainsaw Man, which is an amazing manga in, mm -hmm. in its own merits. But it's it's art. It's quite it's funny because it's very inspired. There are some incredible, you know, panels that we can that I think we can think about it and say, oh, okay, that's you know the kind of uh, composition and uh, and symbolism that we expect f uh, that we expect to find in in places like Berserk or things like that. But the, mm -hmm. the the art style of the author is way simpler, and the story still works. You know, it works. Chainsaw Man works very well, even if uh, the the author is not you know doing Gustave Doré style <laughs> panels <laughs> all the time. So Mira could probably have done a good very an, an incredible berserk story without going so far into details without being so detail oriented mm -hmm. but he did it anyway so you're like whoa yeah. that's you know we're, we're talking about someone doing a story drawing the same story for 30 years in uh, in um 
I don't know. It's it's forty volume, forty volumes of drawing. Yep. Can you imagine the number of pages of panels and things like that? And everything, everything, and the quality. Is, the quality is hyper quality and detail oriented. That's very massive. That's a massive thing when you think about it. That's you know. There's a, a famous quote about Gustave Doré that I love, and it's printed. I have the the full Gustave Doré uh, prints in a book, and behind the book it's written, "I'm sorry that I've only managed to do some." I'm don't remember the 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 the, the exact number, but it's written. I'm sorry that I've only draw three thousand drawings at twenty five years old, <laughs> and you're like, "What the hell?" <laughs> you know, yeah, you're like, like, you even... "Like what?" <laughs> yeah, and that's basically the same when you think about it. He probably draw something like more than three hundred, <laughs> three thousand panels during his life just for Berserk. So that's. That's mind blowing. That's mind blowing that something like that exists. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm just reading through the interview right now, very quickly, and just the fact that again, it was always fun. Do you know what I mean? Just saying, just the fact that it, Mira was asked um, quite frequently during the interview about if he was tired of drawing like Berserk after 30 years, as Thomas mentioned, of the publication, and his response, just like verbatim, is um, actually everything to do with drawing manga is fun. I've never really thought that drawing manga is tough or painful. I have thought at times that it's a bit of a pain, but even that can be fun. If it wasn't, then I wouldn't have done it for so long, like then laughing. It's like, yeah. that really is the truth of what it is that he was doing. He was having fun, like just enjoying himself the same way that he'd always wanted to for, you know, like his whole life to become a mangaka, then obviously becoming one from, listen, at such, again, at a young age, to have those kind of skills and, you know, not end up jumping into it anyway would be double, doubly as wild. So, yeah, I'm glad that you really followed that calling and end up, ended up inspiring so many. But it's just amazing thinking about the fact that, like, it's just fun. It's like, it's why we call fun things child's play. Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm. it's why we have this sort of uh, a joy when we're really having the time of our lives and we're really expressing ourselves so freely. It, it, it can really, it can give us so many boosts. And it, it's, it's the kind of reason as to why it is that people say, you know, like working a like working a job that you love is like working is, is like never having to work a day in your life kind of a thing like very naturally we do understand that you know work is still work and we have to have all sorts of responsibilities and obligations but like the sentiment as opposed to you know like just ignoring all of that the sentiment itself is the fact that these guys were having fun Mira was having fun and I think that's something that we should always you know remember because he said it himself frequently like it wasn't always like a t it wasn't it wasn't like a tough like painful thing it was it was a lot of enjoyment and like in essence kind of like a big kind of like a like a big play session do you know what I mean like having fun and enjoying yourself expressing artistically you you, you get a buzz from that and I'm, I'm glad that that was something that was um felt for so long yeah, the problem was that he was doing a buff, a music buff, like for 30 years nonstop. Yeah, basically, than... yeah. That, that's like playing yeah. music is fun, but playing music for 30 years <laughs> every day can oh, no, be definitely. a bit tiring. Yeah. This, this yeah, actually reminds sure. me, do you, have you all seen that, that meme that's going around that's based off of the documentary about Hal Miyazaki, uh, where he's <laughs> talking about yeah. his oh, ethic? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it, I've seen it. It's like, uh, it's like a pain, such well. a pain. But if you said, why yeah. don't you quit? I just say, shut up. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that 
that is the same energy, right? The, the same idea of mm-hmm. like, there is a little bit of pain, but it is really enjoyable. Um, and uh, I don't know, some, some of these, like uh, the, the creators, like Mimura and like Miyazaki, they have a, a way about articulating the, the energy of creation. Um, that is, I don't know. I feel like uh, for whatever reason, most of the quotes I go back to for people that can really talk about the the balance of work ethic, like why is it why is it enjoyable and painful at the same time? They come from Japanese creators are very very able to articulate it in very short sentences. Mm. Yeah, um, just talking about sort of the the dedication of the craft and just sort of the basic fun of it. It, it again reminded me of a. Uh, you know, a character from Berserk, the uh, the blacksmith, Gado. Yeah. Um, uh, there, there's a part in the manga where God's asking him, like, oh, why, do, why do you do this, right? It's a repetitive task. He's just it's just smithing swords and stuff every day, right? Just re- just hammering away at steel all day. And his reply is really simple. He's like, oh, I like the sparks. <laughs> he just likes the sparks <laughs> that come up when he's hammering stuff all day. And I, I feel like that was probably a very much an author in certain moment right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's just grinding Absolutely. away on the comic but like he enjoys those sparks that come off the page when he draws and that's something yeah. that's very important in berserk you know as much as we've been talking about guts the main character what make mura said something very interesting in an interview he said to give some you know consistency to a character like guts you have to have a lot of other characters gravitating around him and expecting or seeing him differently. This way you can see the different facets of the character. And um, and oh boy, Berserk has so many great, even awesome side characters that are evolving through the whole story. And uh, it's um, that's, some, that's something that's not talked a lot because when you see you know homages to to, to berserk you're going to see guts you're going to see griffith that ag mentioned which is a uh, guts friend but you're not going to see a lot of the others but there's so 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 many mm-hmm. characters around them and you know we we found we we you talked about ag about you know how griffith is um is uh as his ambitions He's a very ambition-driven character. He's, he knows what he wants. And uh, one of the things that Guts can't do, <laughs> basically, during his whole life and the whole story, is having a choice of what he wants to do. And when he finally has it, it doesn't last long, you know. And uh, and one of the, 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 the characters that I think is the most interesting in the story, too, is a, is a female character, which is Farnese, which is basically mm. the character that, you know, is... A kind of empty shell so the, the, the quite the opposite of all these characters that are very gold driven and that will s- s- little by little find what is important to her and uh, what she um, what she is good at and what she can do to make herself useful but also enjoy herself and mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to go too far in the explanation because I'm going to spoil it way too much. Uh, talking about Farnes already, it's a character that arrives around, I think, volume 15 or 16 or 17, something like that, during an in-between between two arcs. And uh, But it's, it's one of my favorite characters too because everybody is so 
you know, strong-willed in this story and Farnese come in, comes in and she's a bit like us, like the, 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 the reader, thinking about like, whoa, uh, if I was in her shoes around all those, <laughs> those very <laughs> strong and very special yeah. per, uh, characters, what should I do? What am I able to do? And she often says, "I don't have any special ability. I can't. I can't, you know, swing a giant sword like, uh, like guts. I can do uh, this kind of thing like an other characters." And she she finds her a goal in life, and that's also that's also why I think we we all love Berserk is that there are so many characters that gravitates around guts that have a lot of goals that that see guts as a role model while guts himself doesn't see himself as this and uh, he sees griffith you know as the the, the um, as the ambition driven guy and uh, the, the guy to look for to look for so yeah mm -hmm. don't yeah mm -hmm. don't don't think that berserk is just the guy again don't think berserk is just like the guy swinging his sword there's a lot yeah. of characters you can if you don't relate to him you will probably relate to other side characters that are that will come around him and you will yeah. probably enjoy them a lot too yeah, yeah. i mean there's, I a, certain, even, uh, there's a certain group oh go ahead go ahead I was just, uh, even Puck, right, is, uh, he's introduced early <laughs> Puck, he's, yeah. this is not a spoiler or anything, um, uh, but he, he, I think he's, he's, he's very much like an author insert, uh, reader, reader insert character, right? Yeah. He's sort of a throwback to, um, you know, like, uh, a lot of Tezuka manga, uh, he would just, you need these lighthearted elements and you, you need a character that is not <laughs> strong and invincible uh, to, to comment like, oh my God, like on, on this incredible stuff. And I think with, with, you know, Puck, his fairy friend, even the fact that um, Puck comes from like a peaceful, great place, an amazing place. And uh, at one point, I think Guts asks him like, oh, why why'd you leave? And he's like, Oh, I got bored. <laughs> like, so in a way, Puck is sort of like us, right? Like for, for most of us, uh, hope, listening, hopefully we, we, we probably, um, live relatively peaceful lives, right? Um, um, you know, most people that can just sit back and enjoy reading comics, right? We live, we don't have to worry about like, uh, you know, our lives aren't in danger every day, but it's, it's, it's exciting to follow around guts and like, you know, in our imaginations go through these uh, adventures. So I think puck sort of, sort of like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's one of the coolest things as well. Like there's a certain group that you get to meet and, um, the whole Richmond, which mentioned one of the characters I was going to talk about, but I love the fact that like, we each have our own kind of like favorites, because again, like one of my favorite things about these types of stories, they bring you along with them. They, they, they take you, they take you into the team and they make you feel like a part of the group overall. Like there's a thing that there's a, there's a certain, uh, anime tuber like out there who I, who I used to watch uh, react quite a lot. And I've been getting back into watching old videos of, he's called him um, Uzumaki Khan. And he's a, he's a, he's a one piece um, reactor. And every time that he would be reading certain things or watching certain things, he would say something that always stuck with me. So for example, if something, obviously anyone listening, if you're familiar with one piece as a group called the straw hats, you, you already know. So he would say something like this. Every time something happened to say Luffy or Nami or Usopp, anybody, he would say, oh, we can't let them do this to us. 
or how could they do this to us or oh i hope that we're gonna be okay like he would say this every time that he was watching because again he felt like he was part of the crew and like that's what it is that these things make you feel like they take you along with the they take you along with the team they take you along with the journey and me in general I've always loved teamwork and, you know, things that are based around teams. I started fighting because I was, again, in love with One Piece and, you know, I was in love with, like, Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Just the idea of having people that had your back whilst you whilst, whilst you all also had their back and you helped them improve, they helped you improve. That happens in Berserk itself, too. Like, we see Guts go from strength to strength to strength, but also... When he first when he first meets uh, the group that he ends up rolling around with, he's a very different person, but grows up because of them, not in spite of them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he becomes a, a different version of himself because of his interactions with other people, and that's what it is. Despite the actual, you know, kind of like overarching messages that are that are shown to you when Berserk first starts, the the oppressive loneliness, the idea of like you know death coming so early in life. The idea of, you know, diseases existing and harming people in such awful ways as they do, as we've all, you know, seen during this pandemic that we're living through right now. Berserk has given us and it's given me a kind of a a, a blueprint in a sense uh, as to how to deal with certain things that exist like within my own like life and within our own lives like when we see people we should hold them close and we should tell them that we love them when we see certain things happening we should try and speak up and you know do our part to you know end the oppression that we see or end the issues that we see in the world but on top of all of it it's the fact that we should always aim to keep growing and walking forwards and just trying to be a little bit better than yesterday. It doesn't have to be massively, but again, I saw Guts and he would be swinging, he would be swinging the sword in, in the early daybreak and he'd be swinging and he'd be counting. And I remember just reading, I think he got to like some crazy number in the hundreds or something. And someone walks up to him and they're like, oh, what are you doing, man? And he's like, oh, I'm just training, just practicing. Like no one asked him, no one asked him to do that. No one made him do that. He did that because like, he wants to improve and he recognizes how important that is. But again, he wasn't doing anything massively complex. He wasn't, he, do you know what I mean? he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't going, okay, I'm going to go out and fight like this uh, monster that's going to push me near the brink of death every single day. No, he wasn't doing that. He was just doing one simple thing, just swinging one sword one time, multiple times. So just one swing, done. One swing, done. Those, rep- those, those repetitions, those reps, that's what builds up the larger strength, which we know that he has within him anyway. But like when people would be like, when people would say, "Oh, look at him! He's cleaving people in half." Oh, look at him! How can he wield this sword? Like he practiced using, utilizing things that were much larger than him from being really, really young. And like that's what it is that we do. Do you know what I mean? We spend time practicing art. We spend time practicing music. We spend time practicing at games. We spend time practicing at what it is that we want to improve at. And it's the very simple, very basic sort of, you know, practice that can lead to the to the larger and greater wows later on. I just want to end this with a with a kind of quick quote. Um, yeah. <laughs> so basically what the idea of like look, um, it kind of it exists in, in multiple forms to different people. But to me, I've always thought of look as something that you that that um look is facilitated by your preparation. So, for example, like, look is when preparation meets opportunity. People may have heard that before, but we often know that lucky moments or lucky strikes, they aren't always just, you know, lucky. Like, for example, when we see someone do a bicycle kick and kick a ball over the head and it goes into a goal, or when we see someone punch someone right after they've just, you know, dodged or parried an attack, or when, even as I have, 
I think I showed Richmond this years ago, not years ago, like months ago. Like I did a 360 kick and I kicked someone out of a ring. Like I had to practice these things to get to the point where it would, you know, be useful to me in the moment or useful to any of us in the moment. The same way that we know James works so hard with drawing, the same way that we know that everybody else in in, in the world works hard at, the, at their own craft, the same way that we work hard at our own crafts. We create our own look in a sense when we have the opportunity to give parts of ourselves to the world and i think that it wasn't by luck that we know who kentaro miura is and was do you know what i mean this isn't lucky this wasn't lucky this was preparation this was hard work that few people will ever truly get to understand and get the sense of going in on something on a pixel level you don't do that you know luckily you don't you don't do that accidentally it, it's intentional and i think that we should always remember that when we speak about just how good of an artist he was because that is what it is it wasn't none of this was lucky none of this was you know destined for him to always be this peerless artist that you know it, it wasn't it wasn't a destiny thing that we always sort of you know kind of come back to in a sense when we try and revere people i really want to sort of focus and hone in on just how hard he worked in his life and just how just how consistent that work must have been yeah And the, um, the, the, there's something also I wanted to say again, because I really want people listening to this podcast that didn't read Berserk to read it. Uh, I, I, when, he, when, the, um, when I learned about uh, Mura's dead, death, I thought, okay, why, why people like Berserk, you know? And just as, um, just as AG explained with gut, you know, training, Berserk is basically a story about people trying to survive in the dark fantasy <laughs> setting. <laughs> it's basically like a, you know, it's a it's a dark soul of manual of manga. You know, the the the, gui the guide you have, <laughs> and the guide is basically swing your sword as hard as you can. But um, but all these characters they don't you know um, they don't get out of this uh, in one piece. Uh, and uh, that's the same uh, mentally too and a lot of the stories in Berserk is basically characters being really having a hard time dealing what, with what happened to them and uh, that includes everybody from the good to the bad guys and, um, and it's basically a lot of characters the very broken people trying to deal with trauma in a world that doesn't give them you know five minutes of peace and uh, so if you if you feel like you've been struggling i think you're going to to, to enjoy a lot <laughs> because there's a lot of people struggling in inside this story and just as i said before the i was talking about how guts you know fights to protect people and especially one person that is very close to him but this person has a mental disability and cannot recognize recognize him anymore and that's something that I can really relate to because I've been living for 15 years with someone who is disabled and there are a lot of things that you can't do or that, or that are very, very complicated to do. And uh, when I was reading Berserk, that's also the moment where, where my, when my uh, grandfather died and for years he has been uh, not recognizing people, you know, that happens a lot with dementia. You, you recognize, you, you see people, but you say, no, you're not uh, the person I lived with for 40 years, you know. 
And that's something that, for example, Guts has to live with in the manga. And that's not something you're going, you're supposed to expect in a manga about a giant guy swinging a giant sword against giant demons. You know, that's not something you expect to see, but that's one of the core parts of the story of Guts in the manga. And I remember seeing, reading Berserk and thinking, oh, right, is finally, you know, trusting other people to help him doing uh, mm-hmm. taking care of his uh, de- of, of, of the person that he loves the much but uh, that he can't take care of and i was thinking that remind me a lot of people when they of my own grandmother that was saying no i can't i can't handle things i can't handle things and you've probably heard about this like saying oh we need to relieve people that are in those kind of situation where they can't handle everything by themselves because they are struggling. It's um, it's painful. It's exhausting. Things like that, and all those things are something that I felt as someone that lived with uh, with a, a disabled person and uh, as someone that saw uh, my grandparents. You know, the relationship change because of those kind of things, and that's that's. Uh, I mean that's a lot of personal stuff. Well, I'm I'm at ease with them, you know. But reading Berserk was some way to, you know, I don't know, make um, make peace with those problems and uh, and and think, yeah, it can happen. It will happen at some moment in our lives. We are all going to pass through those moments, and that's something. I mean, some people are going to listen to this and say, oh, okay, and uh, maybe you. You felt the power on fr- of friendship while reading Dragon Ball, you know, <laughs> something like that. And mm. that's that, that you, yeah, that sounds super cliche, but it's more than just power of friendship or something like that. That's some very deep things and problematic things that you can't, you know, reduce to. Uh, oh, that's uh, that's just a story. It really goes through you, and uh, and the fact that you're reading something that is both very entertaining very dark, very surprising, very inventive. And suddenly there's this whole story arc or, or, or relationships between characters. And you say, okay, that's something I can really relate to. And I was really not expecting to find this in, in, in this manga, you know. And I haven't found this in a lot of other mangas that are probably, you know, more directed to personal stories or things like that. So, yeah, I hope you can read Bersang or reread it and maybe ask yourself like am I you know did I felt things that the, those characters felt of course I'm not you know I I live in France and uh, my my biggest problem today is that it's raining so I have a lot less problem than guts for sure <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's that's always something you project yourself into and that's that's very important to feel these kind of things when you are reading stories and uh, experiences stories like that yeah absolutely sorry if i've been way way off topic or something like that but uh i really wanted to to encourage people to say hey you're going to find something inside this you really are going to find something if if you've seen so many people so many artists so many 
things that you already know, just like, uh, you know, Tumelo said, like, yeah, I I've known this big guy with a sword, but if you want to, to, to read the original big guy with a sword, you're going, you're not going to be disappointed. You're going actually to understand why this one counts more than maybe the copycats or the, the other stories that got inspired by it, but never surpassed it. I wanted to add as well, um, especially because for me, actually, uh, I was introduced to this through the, the show, then the games, then the manga. For people looking at this, not that the show and the games aren't, aren't great, and we'll probably talk about them in a later podcast, but the manga is, um, is, is the, is the, the way to, to truly experience it. Like the, to the point of why, why does the big sword story really, really hit people? You, you have to read the, the manga. You have to kind of experience the, the, the art, the writing, the, the way the serialization plays it out. Like it's just, um, I because in terms of encouraging people to enjoy this, I would hope people don't just jump into say the show um, or the the game or some of the movies and, and have that kind of oh this is good but you know what's the big deal the the, the manga is what you need to experience in order to um, understand the big deal. I was gonna say it was actually the first um, manga that I I read when I was younger uh, the, w that I was actually like actively getting online. Uh, to, to read it. I was obviously into American comic books quite a bit, but this was the first uh, manga I got into, and it was because of seeing the show, and I was interested in the source material, and as soon as I started reading it, I was like, holy shit, this is so much better. Uh, <laughs> and it's not, it's not that the show is bad at all or anything like that, but um, I, I, I like th this is a comic that um, I, I actually know a number of people that would credit this with... Um, staving off depression or, or keeping them from committing suicide. Like there's a lot of power in the journey of guts. Yeah, through, and it, just like with other mediums, like one of the things I like about games, but also with, with comics or manga like this is sometimes going on the journey is along with a character is the only way to truly experience um, something in a way that actually impacts you. Cause like watching a movie or watching a show, that's certainly a way, but there's something about being there along the way um, over like over time. I think uh, I, I read a quote once that said that one of the greatest gifts you can give someone is your presence. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of one of those things as well when you're, when you're, when you're enjoying a story, like a story that <laughs> is literally 30 years in the making and you can go through and experience most, most of the, the journey itself. You can, you can even see the art style evolving and changing. You can, you know, you can go along with it. And uh, there's there's a lot of uh, uh, impact that comes from taking your time to experience something and seeing it seeing it kind of improve over time. Like we, we're, we're all talking about like, you know, how, how it's, a part of it is inspiring about improving or about persevering, which is a huge theme of the manga. But definitely that is why why experiencing it this way if you haven't is super worthwhile absolutely imagine if you want to think about just to to go with sean what sean just said you know how people got absolutely crazy during the final fight of the last avenger movie 
You know, mm -hmm. when all those characters suddenly pop in in the fight against Thanos, when Captain America takes the, the hammer and, you yeah. know, and suddenly you, you are overwhelmed by this. It's a conclusion of, of something so big and so long that took so much time. And I don't even like those movies, you know. <laughs> But hmm. you have goosebumps when this yeah. happens mm -hmm. because you know that's 15 years of movies coming together to a grand finale. You know, that's the same kind of feeling you're going to feel when you're going to read Berserk. And and um, at some moments in the story, there are, there are big shifts in the storyline and big, you know, huge changing moments for the world, for the characters and things like that. And <laughs> as much when you're going to read you're going when you're going to, to come to some conclusions like you just like uh, Sean said you're going to understand why it was it was worth it you know it's the same as when you you, you screamed in the theater when all the gates open in the last Avengers you know that's the same kind of feeling like oh my god everything is coming together yeah I I just want to touch on um so uh, something that Adam uh, mentioned earlier, one of his favorite panels where um, Griffith talks about like what he thinks a friend is. He says, a friend is someone who's my equal, right? And then there's that, um, just that full page drawing of guts in the foreground and Griffith is floating a source of light in the background and there's a sea of stars between them, right? It's, I, I won't get into, if you know the context of that panel, it is a gut punch. Like, uh, you, you can mm -hmm. feel Guts' soul, like, leave his body at that moment. Like, it is <laughs> crushing. Um, but if you look at the image, you know, there's no violence or anything going on. It's very abstract. And I think it speaks to uh, Mira's uh, uh, breadth as a artist. Like, he... Um, stereotypically you think of berserk as you know we've been saying oh big guy swinging his sword uh you know it's it's a violent seinen manga but um he is so versatile as an artist and um that panel is very very shoujo it is a very um shoujo like <laughs> panel uh and that's something that actually inspires him and in fact um if if there, there's a great interview if you look online uh, there's a great blog called uh, Manga Brog uh, um, is an interview with uh, Kentaro Mura and uh, Yukari Fujimoto, who's uh, just a notable, um, uh, she's like a professor of gender studies. She's a really famous like feminist writer. Uh, she writes about manga a lot too. And um, during this interview, she tells Mura, she's like, you know, like, I have this theory that you're actually writing like a shoujo manga. And, you know, I bet you're not even <laughs> surprised, right? That I, I said that, and he's like, "Oh yeah, of course not." <laughs> like, it, it's it's a huge influence on him, and um, you know, shoujo is uh, a, 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 it's uh, stereotypically like comics for girls, but um, as gendered as the term is, like uh, I, I I think in Japan, like it's okay, like girls read shonen stuff, guys can read shoujo stuff, like it's not a big deal, but um, stereotypically, it's like, oh, you know, girls like these things about like internal monologues and just the people who are deeply in touch with their feelings. But, um, but uh, you know, all of that is very much at play in Berserk, you know, this this ultra-violent, dark fantasy manga. Like, it's, it's got everything. It's so, it just covers so much of the human experience. Yeah, there's a particular uh, emotional language that is 
spoken in a specific way uh, with with Miura that I think the only times I've ever really felt this was probably reading um, Hokuto no Ken. Uh, there's a there's like a particular uh, like parallel where it's like you know you see these big burly men with taped fist punching each other or like swinging large swords and you're like well you know this definitely is about just a logical story but there's so much emotion uh that that guts experiences through you know his journey even other characters and uh you know i spoke about this a little before but you know there's a bit of a there's always like a culmination of things that happen before guts draws his sword and uh you know when that happens you know it's 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 not so much of an, a focal emphasis on violence to me, but you know, I, I think it's like a, a bottling and then a abrupt ex, uh, explosion of emotional expression. You know, I, I feel like he spoke a lot through uh, his sword and his, you know, physical violent choices, for lack of a better word. Um, and, I, and I feel like that's something that adds a particular layer to. Uh, what he does, you know, even within the violence and then the, the, the purpose that he's taking with it, you know, when he's stepping forward and making these very brutal decisions. Um, and I do feel that that's a correlation to, uh, things that you would feel on a different level, I guess, you know, within like shoujo manga, you know, um, you know, I read X, you know, uh, as a kid, I read, uh, Yami no Matsue, you know, other things. And I do remember feeling like, wow, like there is a particular emotional presence with the stories, even when there's no sword being swung. I mean, there's a lot of conversations between him and Griffith that just, they <sighs> cause a lot of feelings. And <laughs> again, you know, yes. not to spoil anything, uh, it, it, it definitely can have a grown man uh, wondering why his face is not dry. Like it will. I had to. I had to take a break for like yeah. all over a year. Like when I was, re- it made me. I told Richard it made me so like so sad. Like it made me more. Part of it made me more sad than I've ever been reading anything <laughs> or intaking any media ever. I told Richmond about this. He he remembers. Like I was telling him, I was like, this is like the saddest I've ever been. Like. It's really, really something else, man. It, and just, it's it's the most sad, but also the most beautiful. It, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, there's a particular way that Miura just floors you with uh, the way that he navigates you through people's emotions. And uh, I can definitely understand, uh, you know, because I've definitely had those moments where you're just sitting and you almost forget where you are. I'm like, holy crap. Like, I'm really in this book. And... Uh, you know, I, I think that there's something to be said about being able to navigate that type of emotional expression. Um, no one does it like him, man. Oh, God. All right, let's... Um, this is definitely going to be a multi-part series. I think all of us have a lot to say about Berserk and uh, Mira. Let's... Um, any, 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 anyone want to sort of uh, close us out just with, with some thoughts about everything we've been discussing today? I'll go for it. I, I got a little something. But, um, yeah, this has been one of the hardest weekends for lots of different reasons for everybody in the art community and in creative communities. And when we revere people like this who have inspired us in so many different levels for multiple decades, 
I think that we should also remember again, we are at the end of the day, all just people. Like we can grow up to be legends. We can grow up to be inspirations of other people. But at the end of the day, we're all still human beings. And as tough as it can be, especially now, tell the people around you that you love them. Do it. Tell the people that inspire you that they inspire you. Do it. Leave them a nice comment. Leave them something that they might need to brighten up their day. But on top of all of it, look after yourself. Try and get the eight hours of rest that you might need, or seven, or six, or nine, or ten, whatever works for you. But try and take care of your body. Try and eat the food that you need to eat. Try and, you know, drink when you need to drink. We live such wildly busy lives that are like strung along by the ambitions that we sort of carry ourselves through with. But it's it's not simple and it's not going to be easy when we try and look at so many other people like this who work so hard. But unfortunately, some of the worst things can end up happening to them as well. So just to sort of like close out, I'd say, do the stretches that you need to do when you're drawing. When you're living your life, look after yourself properly. Take the stretches, take the time that you need, look after your body, look after your friends, look after your mind, look after yourself and keep on doing that because you won't get to tell your story otherwise. And I think that's really important to remember. That's beautiful, he said it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's all good. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening, uh, everyone. Um, Yeah, that, that's that's it for today's podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll be back uh, hopefully next week. Um, continue this conversation about, you know, Berserk and just all the wonderful things it's influenced, which we haven't even barely touched on, and just, you know, what it meant to us. All right, so um, if you enjoyed this podcast, um, yeah, please please subscribe. Uh, uh, let us know if we're... Um, if there's any platform that you, you wish our pod podcast was on uh, and uh, please follow us on, on Twitter. That's the best way to know when uh, new stuff is coming out. You can follow us at art eater podcast. That's a R T E A T E R P O D C A S T art eater podcast. Uh, yeah. Well, we're um, that's where you can hear about updates and uh, oh, also check out the main website, arteater.com. That's a R T dash E A T E R.com. Uh, you can check out all the old podcasts there, as well as uh, various long-form articles uh, that we've written about lots of different stuff. Um, yeah, so thanks, thanks for tuning in, and uh, everyone else, please, please let everyone know how to how to follow you. Uh, Sean. Oh, hey, I'm Sean. I'm always here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Dvorsk, D-A-B-O-R-S-R-S-K. Um, like I said, I'm a UI UX designer, creative director. Um, I mostly talk about games, uh, talk about PC gaming. Um, I talk about experience, uh, game design, writing a book right now, a number of articles. Um, so <laughs> nothing quite to follow other than uh, me retweeting what all these guys are putting out there because they're always sharing really inspiring uh, art and creators. All right, so uh, this is James Stanley here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, b -E -E -F -Y, uh underscore K-U-N-O-I-C-H-I. Uh, again, I'm a storyboard artist, character designer, illustrator, uh, also a writer and creator of my own comic called Part-Time Shuffle. Uh, I'm also open for storyboard animation work, so uh, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, post a lot of my progress on projects as well as other things that are uh, incredibly inspiring to me, much like uh, a lot of the gentlemen here in this podcast.
So I'm Thomas. Uh, I go by Thomas Solvers on Twitter with an O, not A U. Um, I'm a front-end developer from France, and uh, I think that's all I have to say for for today. Thank you for listening. Okay. Hey, everybody. I'm so glad you could all make it. I'm Adam. I go by Adrian on Twitter. I'm a game level designer, pixel artist, and international taekwondo fighter. You can find me over there at, at AJMattis. That's at AJM, all caps, A-T-T-I-S, lowercase. Uh, I like to share all kinds of cool art, talk about creative projects, as you've, you know, also will will have seen if you've checked me out before. If you liked what I said, drop me a follow. Uh, hit me up if you need any pixel art doing or anything else like that. But yeah, I'm so glad everyone could be here, and thanks for giving us your time. Take care. Be safe. Take care. Tokiwa.